0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome back to the beginning of guidance for Muslim women our podcast series on Imam Ghazali's famous book Bidayatul Hidayah my name is Umm Abdullah and welcome back. We will start straight away with our dua from Imam Al Haddad, inshallah, which you can find on our Instagram page at MISC Women. I encourage you to go there and to learn that dua, inshallah. And also, please join us on Facebook in a private group called Misq Women Halaqa. You will be able to find it there and just uh, answer the membership question, inshallah. And uh, come and join us where all our podcasts are uploaded and there's very easy access to individual episodes and also to the website. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Nawaitu ta'allama wa ta'aleem wa tathakur wa tathkir wa nafu al-intifa' wa al wa istifada wa al ala tamasuki bi kitab wa sunnati rasulih والدعاء إلى الهدى والدلالة على الخير. ابتغاء وجه الله ومرضاته وقربه وثوابه سبحانه وتعالى. Bismillah rahman rahim All praises to Allah, the Lord of the worlds. I intend to learn and teach, to remember and remind, to benefit myself and to benefit others, to derive usefulness and extend it to others, to encourage adherence to the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of His Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to call to guidance direct towards good, seeking thereby the countenance of Allah, His divine pleasure, closeness and His reward, the Most Exalted and High. Obviously there will be changes or differences in translation, but that's the general meaning inshallah. In today's episode, we are going to look at what Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, and may Allah benefit us by him in the two abodes, inshallah, about what he has to say regarding the etiquette of the time from sunrise until midday. So obviously the morning, the most important part of the day in some respects because that's where most of our activities take place, such as work, schooling, things that we need to do, often happen in the morning time. Inshallah, let's get straight into what he has to say. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. أَدَابُ مَا بَعْدَ تُلُوعِ الشَّمْسِ إِلَى الزَّوَالِ فَإِذَا طَلَعَتِ الشَّمْسُ وَارْتَفَعَتْ قَدْرِ الرُّمْحٍ فَصَلِّ رَكَعَتَيْنِ وَذَلِكَ عِنْدَ الزَّوَالِ وَكْتِ الْكَرَاهَةِ salah فَإِنَّهَا مَكْرُوهَةٌ مِنْ بَعْدِ الصُّبْحِ إِلَى الشَّمْسِ He says, when the sun rises and is a spear's length above the horizon, pray two rakahs. This is when the disliked time for prayer expires, for it is disliked to perform voluntary prayers after the obligatory rakahs of the morning prayer until the sun reaches this height. In terms of time, that's approximately 16 minutes after the disk of the sun has risen above the horizon and it's the time that it takes in order for the full light of the sun to become apparent, about 16 minutes after what's called shuruk or ishrak, which is the rising of the sun. It's not permissible to pray any time, before that. So after you finished your obligatory prayer for Fajr, then you must wait until that time before you can pray any other prayer, voluntary, or if you're making up another obligatory prayer, for example. So any type of prayer at all. And what do you pray in that time? Once the sun has risen to that point, then you stand up and you can pray anywhere from two to twelve rakas in groups of two. So two, four, six, eight, etc., and with the intention of praying either Salatul Ishraq or Salatul Duha or both. So you can pray immediately two rakahs of Salatul Ishraq and then follow that up with another four of Salatul Duha, which is actually the practice of the Prophet, as narrated to us by Sayyidina Ali, Karamallahu wajah, who said that he saw the Prophet performing that. You can also combine other intentions, so you can have six intentions for those rakahs. So if you pray two and then four later or any number later up to twelve, or you pray two or four or six or whatever you like at that time, um, all those are acceptable. And you can combine six intentions, inshallah. So they would be Salatul Duha, Salatul Ishraq, also Qadar al-Haja, which is the fulfillment of a need istikhara, the prayer for guidance, Hifth, which is protection, and also toba, repentance. So six intentions in even two rakas, inshallah, is possible, and that's how you maximize your act of worship, and inshallah, attain for yourself as much benefit as possible through the minimum amount. Of course, to do more is better, but keep a minimum of two and small deeds that are performed continuously are better than a lot of deeds which are performed erratically so if it is that you're only able to pray two or four then combine those intentions inshallah and you will have gotten the most out of that particular act of worship. The next part we've actually just explained about praying in groups of two rakahs and then Imam Ghazali says that all of these numbers of rakahs have been related um, on authority from the Prophet والسلام, and he says, khairun kulluha, faman sha'a fali wa man sha'a He says, "All prayer is good. If one wants, he may perform more, or if he wants, he may perform less." And our commentator Ali Imam al-Jawi says. That prayer is the best act of worship that Allah has put down or made available for His servants. So whoever can perform more should do so, for indeed it is the best act of physical worship after iman. Imam Ghazali continues and says, bayna zawali min illa hadhihi, fama min arba'u halat." He says that other than this there is no other daily sunnah prayer between sunrise and midday and whatever time you have left after it you should spend in one of four ways. So now he goes into the four types of activities that a person should engage themselves in in that morning part, that long morning often depending on what time of the year it is. If it's summer it can be perhaps eight or more hours and this is how you should spend your time the first activity to engage in and he says al ula wa al so the first and the best and tasrifahu ila talab al ilm nafi' fi ddin tuna al fudul alladhi akab an nasu alayhi wa samawhu ilman the first way and the best is to spend your time seeking beneficial knowledge in religion, not matters of secondary importance to which many people may devote themselves and call knowledge. Here our commentator has divided this sentence into two parts, that which applies to the alim, to the scholar, and that which applies to the muta'allim, the student. And when Imam Ghazali says, spend your time. That's the time that the commentator says applies to the scholar because it's time that should be spent in teaching or in developing fatwas, legal verdicts, or it should be spent in writing or reading. The second part relevant to the student is on seeking beneficial religious knowledge. And Al-Jawi says that, Students of sacred knowledge, dedicated full-time students, have their programs. But when it comes to ordinary people who are not of that type, the best thing they can do to seek knowledge is to attend majalis al-ilam, or to attend gatherings of knowledge. And the hadith which indicates to that says that attending a gathering of knowledge is better than praying a thousand rakahs or attending a thousand funerals, or visiting a thousand sick people. So that's an indication as to its value and importance, and as Imam Ghazali says, that is the best activity that a person can engage in in that early part of the day. He goes on to talk about what is beneficial knowledge, and he says, <laughs> بعيوب نفسك ويزير في معرفتك بعبادة ربك عز وجل ويقلل من رغبتك في الدنيا ويزير في رغبتك في الآخرة ويفتح بصيرتك بآفات عمالك حتى تتحرز منها ويطلعك على مكائد الشيطان وغروره وكيفية تلبيسه على العلماء السوء حتى أرضهم لمقت الله عز وجل وسخته حيث أكلوا الدنيا بالدين واتخذوا العلم وسيلة إلى أخذ الأموال من السلاطين وأكل الأموال الأوقاف واليتامى والمساكين وصرف همتهم طول نهارهم إلى طلب الجاه والمنزلة في قلوب الخلق واضطرهم ذلك إلى مراءات وممارات والمنافسة والمباهة this is quite a statement and he also mentions that for more information you should refer to the Ihya al din He says that useful knowledge is only that which increases your fear of Allah Most High, increases your insight into your own defects and increases your knowledge of how to worship Allah. It reduces your yearning for this world, increases your yearning for the hereafter and opens your eyes to the things that spoil your worship so you may guard against them. It lays bare to you the scheming of shaitan, his deceit and his misleading of the evil scholars until he succeeds in exposing them to the aversion and wrath of Allah through their use of religion for worldly gain, their employment of knowledge to acquire wealth from the powers that be, their consumption of the wealth of endowments and of the orphans and the poor and their directing all their energies throughout the day to attaining prestige and a place in the hearts of people. This forces them into a state of ostentation, disputation, rivalry and boastfulness. Oh, horrible. The commentator here, Al-Jawi, goes on to some discussion about the types of knowledge. And inshallah, I will leave that because that's actually a whole topic which we could spend a lot of time on and actually requires some detailed explanation and that will come under the topic of Tartibul Uloom or the classification of the sciences and that's his own thing so we'll leave that for now it's Imam Ghazali's words suffice us when he tells us that it's knowledge that should increase us in the fear of Allah and if it's knowledge that takes us away from that uh, as he mentions that there are other knowledge that people busy themselves with that they call knowledge but which is of secondary importance And Al Jawi says that might be, for example, knowledge of the stars in terms of astrology and also knowledge of magic. And in our times, I think we could imagine there are many other types of knowledge that people engage in, which is not beneficial, which would be, for example, excessive knowledge in beautifying oneself, for example, and going into other people's business and gossiping, etc., trying to analyze. Sports matches, for example, an over-analysis of politics, things like this that people claim that they develop a knowledge from, but it's clearly a waste of time. Why? Because it's based mostly on speculation or it's based on things which are extremely futile and superficial. Imam Ghazali tells us that if you are from the people of knowledge, in كُنْتَ bih. So go and seek it and act on it. And then teach it and call others to it. For whoever realizes this, فَمَنْ عَلِمَ ذَلِكَ وَعَمِلَ بِهِ النَّاسَ إِلَيْهِ And who realizes, acts upon it and invites others to it, will be called great in the dominion of the heavens. فَلِذَلِكَ يُدَعَى فِي بِشَهَادِةِ According to the testimony of Jesus alaihi salam nabi isa it's narrated here that that particular statement actually comes from him and this is a body of knowledge that the muslim scholars have taken from from the bani israel some of it has been authenticated some of it hasn't but it's generally taken to be used to point towards good deeds for al amal virtuous acts uh, amongst other things there can be some warning in it there's often stories about a prophet who came to the bani israel for example. So they're used as general types of counsel or advice to people as well. Imam Ghazali goes on and he says that if you achieve all of this and complete the reformation of yourself outwardly and inwardly, and you have some time that remains, then occupy yourself in the study of a school of jurisprudence. So he says, go deeper into knowledge so that you may learn the less common rulings concerned with worship and that you may be of more benefit to people by knowing Masa'il, by knowing issues in a more intricate way and so that you expand your knowledge and are able to be more encompassing in the way that you approach the deen and when people come to you for advice or for fatwas, then you're able to provide them with that service. He also says that if your lower self asks you to leave off the litanies and remembrances that we've detailed earlier. So in our previous episodes, the previous two episodes, we've spoken about the supplications that are recommended to read in the morning from Fajr time until the rising of the sun. And he says that if it is that you leave those off, فَإِنْ دَعَتْكَ نَفْسُكَ إِلَىٰ تَرْكِ مَا ذَكَرْنَاهُ مِنَ الْأَوْرَادِ وَالْأَذْكَارِ إِشْتِغَالًا بِذَلِكَ So, if it is that you leave them due to your occupation with these duties, then know, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ اللَّعِينَ قَدَّسَّ إِلَى قَلْبِكَ أَدَّاءَ الدَّفِينَ Shaytan, the accursed, has injected into your heart a hidden illness. And what is that hidden illness? وَهُوَ حُبُّ الْمَالِ وَالْجَاهِ فَإِيَّاكَ أَنْ تَغْتَرَّ بِهِ فَتَكُونَ he says, Beware of being deceived by this and becoming a laughing stock for him and being brought to destruction, after which he will mock you. And remember, on the day of judgment, shaitan will say, I'm free of this guy or this woman I've got nothing to do with them I didn't lead them into destruction I merely whispered something and they followed it and whatever choices they made were their own choices and I can't be blamed for what they've done so the thing is that shaitan will whisper shaitan will show you the way lead you astray and it's up to you to follow or not and if you do it's to your own destruction and peril and if you don't inshallah then you have protected yourself with the help of Allah just to summarize the next paragraph Imam Ghazali says that if you find that you are not overburdened by the performance of litanies and remembrances however your yearning for attaining beneficial knowledge is stronger and you really want that more for the sake of Allah and the abode of the afterlife, then seeking knowledge is preferable than other voluntary works, but only if your intention is sound. There are people who think, oh, oh, and this is what he means by shaitan has got you. They think, oh, I don't need to do all those things because I'm so busy seeking knowledge and I'm so important because I'm a student of knowledge. But what that is, is that you've left them to seek the world because really you're not that sincere. Really what he's saying is you're wanting the dunya, you're wanting status, you're wanting wealth, you're wanting prestige. But if it is that you're strongly inclined and want to do your voluntary acts of supplications and litanies, However, your desire to seek knowledge for the sake of Allah is stronger, then go and seek knowledge. And he says that the matter hinges on the soundness of intention, for if it is not sound, it's the source of the deception of the ignorant and the place where people's feet slip. Secondly, if you're unable to acquire useful knowledge, like a scholar or a student of knowledge, Imam Ghazali says... أن لا are على to العلم النافع ولكن تشتغل بوظائف العبادات من الذكر in the والصلوات of من درجات العابدين وسير الصالحين وتكون بذلك أيضا من the Qur'an, glorifying, making tasbih, saying subhanAllah and all the different adhkar and extra prayers. Then this is among the stations of the worshippers and the ways of the righteous. And by this method, you will also be of those who are successful. Our commentator mentions various acts of voluntary worship that people in previous generations engaged in, including the Sahaba. And he says some of them would say subhanAllah 12,000 times a day. Others would have a weird or a regular practice of 30,000. Others would pray 300 rak'ahs a night or 600 or even a thousand. Others would make their weird the Quran and they would read often the Quran in its entirety in a whole day. Some of them would read it once in the morning or throughout the day and once at night. So, he mentions here the different ways that people attain closeness to Allah, and that sweetness of Iman is tasted continuously by never cutting themselves off from their remembrance and from their litanies and awrad, and constantly seeking to add to that and often to have a variety because a person can become bored with the same thing. So, if you are only doing one type of dhikr then you will find that it becomes dreary for you. And so to do different types and different amounts is recommended so that you stay invigorated with the remembrance of Allah and that your nafs doesn't overcome you by making you feel bored. You might be thinking at this stage, well, hang on a minute, if I'm spending all my day studying or all my day making dhikr, then what am I meant to be doing for my livelihood and of course, it doesn't mean that you become such a devout worshipper that you give up seeking your portion of the dunya. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَلَا مِنَ And don't forget your portion of the dunya. And it's recommended, of course, that whatever acts you're engaged in, that you are also engaged in remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whether it be driving your children to school or preparing breakfast, or doing whatever you have to do, then you do so in a state of dhikr. So this is why it's important to memorize things, so that wherever you are, you can just come and start to read Surah Yasin, you can read your dhikrs, you can read the Word Latif, or whatever litanies you have in the morning. And that way, you'll constantly be engaged in doing what you need to do for your dunya, and also keeping your heart connected. Because that's the whole point of dhikr and continuous remembrance is to keep connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a story about the teacher of the great sheikh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani and he used to have a little shop that he sold goods in and this was his dunya work. In those days of course they only had a curtain which they dropped in front of their store. They didn't have doors and security grills and all the rest of it. But he would go into his little shop and he would, behind the curtain before it was lifted, pray 300 rakahs in the morning and then when he was finished he would lift the curtains and sit there and then he says he's actually finished his tijara he's finished his trade for the day and then he will just sit there and see who comes by and what rizik what sustenance Allah will give for him for his physical needs for the rest of the day the third type of act to engage in in the morning is to spend your time working on something that will bring benefit to other people and he mentions specifically here, He says to bring happiness to the hearts of believers. And this is very, very important that we spend whatever we can trying to bring joy to people. And we are not a religion of doom and gloom, of despair. To actually be in a state of despair is a haram state of heart to have. We're not allowed to be in a state of despair, regardless of what's happening around us and how bad the situation may be. And this is part of the blessing of Alhamdulillah, because regardless of what is going on, we can always say Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, all praises for Allah, Lord of the world's. And what that does is actually lift us out of a state of despair and make us remember that all of this is happening for a reason and we just need to have patience and wait for the good that will come afterwards. Of the types of activities mentioned, serving the jurists, the true Sufis or the men of religion. So looking after our teachers and scholars and those who serve us, feeding people, visiting the sick, uh, escorting funerals, And he says that all these are superior to voluntary acts, for example, your own personal adkar, because they are forms of worship and they involve kindness to Muslims. So being kind is extremely important. And the fourth state is earning a living and protecting your religion. So now we come to the dunya matters. And Imam Ghazali says, (laughs) الهالة رابعة أن لا تقوى على ذلك وَاشْتَغَلْتَ بِحَاجَتِكَ اِكْتِسَابًا عَلَىٰ نَفْسِكَ وَعَلَىٰ عِيَالِكَ وَقَدْ سَلِمَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ مِنْكَ وَأَمِنُوا مِنْ لِسَانِكَ وَيَدِكَ وَسَلِمَ لَكَ دِينُكَ إِذْ لَمْ ترتكب مَعْصِيًا He says that if you lack the strength to do those other things. The other three that we've mentioned, occupy yourself with your own needs, earning a living to take care of yourself and your family. And, of course, this is the difference between Islam and people thinking that their spiritual life is only through devoting themselves to acts of worship. It is an act of worship to fulfill the amr, the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And people are commanded to look after themselves and their families because there are rights, hukuk and everybody is required to fulfil the rights of those around them depending on their capacity. A husband and a father is obliged to fulfil the rights of his wife and his children. A wife is obliged to fulfil the rights of her husband and her children, and then it expands to those in the extended family and then in the society. So the thing is that Imam Ghazali says, You do that in such a way, you earn your living in such a way and you take care of those whose rights you are required to take care of so that Muslims generally are safe from your tongue and your hand and that your religion is safe because in that case you would not be committing sins. People suffer from you and people derive harm from you when you are a sinful person. And he says, in this way, by fulfilling your duties and protecting other people from you and at the same time protecting your deen, then you will be of those who will be considered people of the right, al yamin if it is that you don't even become of those who reach the forefront. So the leaders, the Sabiakin. And he goes on to say that a servant is at one of three levels in terms of his religion. He is the one, first of all, who is salim, the safe one. He's the one who suffices with doing basic obligatory acts and does not commit sins. Then there's the one who profits. He's the one who does a lot of voluntary deeds and voluntary acts and then there's the khasir he's the one who falls short in his performance of the obligatory acts. Imam Ghazali counsels us and he says that if you cannot be of the second one of the one who profits from his voluntary acts then put your effort into being amongst those who are safe so the one who does what he's required to do, which is the fulfillment of his basic obligatory acts and does not commit sins. There was a man who came to the Prophet wasallam, and he said, I can only perform what is obligatory on me. And he said, and I will not perform anything else. Absolutely nothing above and beyond that. And he said, will I be successful? And the Prophet wasallam, said, Aflaha in sadaq. So he will be successful if he is truthful in that. Somebody who comes with that and says, oh, I can only do the obligatory acts, but they're not truthful, they're trying to get out of things or they're lazy or whatever reason, then they will not really benefit from those obligatory acts in the way that they could have done had they been truthful and kept it to the minimum depending on their circumstances. And Imam Ghazali says, be aware, be aware, iyaka, thuma iyaka. So he says twice of being amongst the losers. And then he mentions, in terms of your relationship with your fellows, with your fellow Muslims, that a person is at one of three levels. So the highest. <inaudible> The highest is that you act with other people as the reverent and noble angels do. That means you've attained a very high level of purification of your heart and that your interaction with them is as though you are interacting with them through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So our very famous hadith that when a person gains closeness to Allah through their obligatory acts and then through their nawafil and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes the hearing with which he hears, the sight with which he sees, the hand with which he takes, the foot with which he walks, then... What this means is that your interaction with people is through that, that you see that you're actually interacting with Allah when you interact with others. And that's a very high state. In this station, a person strives to help with the needs out of kindness and bringing happiness to their hearts. The middle level is that a person is with others as though he is ala manzilah, So it's as though you're an animal or an inanimate object. You don't bring any good, but you don't do any harm. So you busy yourself with what you need to do, but you don't really have much to do with others, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, if it is that you're not harming them. And then the lowest, Imam Ghazali says, and Yanzilafi Hakihim حقهم Akaribi Walhayati Wasibai Al Dariat Wala Yurja خيره Wayutaka شرُّه. that the lowest is that you are like people as a scorpion, a serpent, or a wild beast would be. So you bring harm and danger and threats And you're somebody who is just out there to get what you want and be ruthless and evil. And he says that no one hopes for good from him and evil is feared of him. So if you cannot reach the horizon of the angels, Imam Ghazali tells us then beware of falling below the level of animals and inanimate objects down to scorpions and snakes. If you are content for yourself to come down from the highest of levels, so if you think that's okay, then don't accept to be hurled down to the lowest of the low. For hopefully you will be saved by doing just enough, neither achieving much nor losing all. So to finish now, Imam Ghazali says, fi harika an la illa bima fi ma'adika wa So, by the light of your day, meaning the hours of your day, you should occupy yourself only with what benefits you in the afterlife and with gaining provisions in this life which you cannot dispense with to assist you towards your afterlife. What does that mean? That means that you should busy yourself with preparing what you're going to attain, what's going to be written in your book that you will receive on the Day of Judgment and that will prepare for you the ground that you're going to inhabit in the Akhirah, inshallah. Imam Ghazari says, If it is, Then he says, if you can't manage to fulfill the rights of your religion while associating with people and you cannot remain safe from them or others from you, then solitude is better for you and for in it is safety. So what are those qualities that you should protect yourself from or protect others from if they happen to be in you? Our commentator Al-Jawi explains that for us and he says there are four the first is al ghiba backbiting. So if you can't hold your tongue, it's best for you not to be with people because you will only fall into a state of sin. The second is al-riyah, which is ostentation and showing off. A person develops that state in themselves when they don't have sufficient ikhlas or sincerity and when they seek their reward and their validation through people rather than through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if it is that you can't help yourself from showing off, or if you are negatively impacted by other people's showing off, then these are the things that you should try and protect yourself and remain safe from. The third is if you are unable to command towards good, and prevent evil. So he says, So if you are quiet on those things, if you see something which requires correction or rectification, and you're unable to do that for whatever reason, or if there's something that you know you can benefit people by, by speaking about that and reminding people to do good, And you are unable to fulfill that for whatever reason, then this is something that you should think that should I really expose myself to others if I'm in a situation that I can't change for the better or should I be in a situation where I'm being negatively impacted again by other people who cannot do that to benefit me. And the fourth is that you should be aware of how your own nature is influenced or impacted by or compromised or affected by the bad qualities in other people. And particularly the qualities and abominable acts that might be caused by somebody else's avid seeking of and love of the dunya and the other way as well that if you have that quality yourself and that all you do is love the dunya and want the dunya and have nothing in your mind other than attaining wealth and status and prestige and everything then you might be impacting and influencing others in a negative way so if somebody has a grain of understanding of that and how people interact with regards to those types of qualities, then they might take a step back and try and isolate themselves for a while from others to try and rectify that in themselves, as well as protecting themselves from being negatively influenced by others. Now, this is different also to spiritual paths, which encourage people to become monks and nuns and to be celibate and to not live a life in this dunya. Because in Islam we don't have that concept because we're able to make what we do every day an act of worship through our intention and we're able to find a sweetness and a joy in serving others, in helping others, in raising our children and being worshipful people as we make dhikr throughout the day as we fill up each hour of our day and for what we are awake of the night with the remembrance of Allah, with Quran, with good speech and with bringing peace and kindness and happiness to the hearts of other people. So... Going into solitude in this particular time is not recommended, but what is recommended is to strive in any way that you can to be of benefit to yourself and others, inshallah. And then he says that if in your solitude devilish insinuations draw you to what is displeasing to Allah and you cannot root them out with the duties of worship, then you should sleep. Mm, That's very interesting for our time because... If a person goes into isolation out of loneliness, for example, or because they live by themselves or whatever reason, and through their loneliness they actually become worse, and shaitan whispers to them, and the first thing that would come to my mind is that people, for example, indulging in pornography, because they're by themselves, they've got nothing to do, or the shaitan comes to them and even though they know that it's wrong and that they shouldn't be doing it, they can't stop themselves through the duties of worship, then it's better for them, Imam Ghazali says, although obviously not referring to that context, but it's better for a person just to go to sleep. So if you can't do anything for yourself or others, then, uh, then at least save your religion by making your life non-functional. And he says it's an extremely sorry state because sleep is the brother of death and a suspension of the progress of life there's one other comment that imamu jawi makes uh oh we missed this bit because when you are at doing the fourth activity which is seeking to provide for yourself and your family and keep people safe from you if it is that you fall below that then uh, then Imam Ghazadi says you're grazing in the ground of devils and what you are doing then is engaging in things which will ruin your religion or hurt other people and Imam Jawi mentions that the nafs in bil bil batil, the nafs if it is that you don't keep it busy with the truth, then it will keep you busy with the batil, which is falsehood. And people sometimes get picture frames where they have a comment or some type of motivational message. And I think that should be the motivational message of all Muslims, that if we don't keep ourselves busy with the haq, with the truth then our nuffs will keep us busy with that which is wrong, with falsehood that which is invalid, futile, worthless and devoid of any benefit. And every time we pick up our phones and we need to check our intention, am I using my phone for something that will engage my nuffs with the truth, with the huck, with with that which is good, or am I going to waste some time now, 5 minutes, 20 minutes, 2 hours, whatever, on things which my nafs will busy me with of falsehood and futility inshallah i hope that's been of benefit and i look forward to our next episode inshallah wa sallallahu muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wasallam alhamdulillahirabbil alamin allahumma wa bihamdik ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik